The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. And the views of their employers do not necessarily reflect the views of the participants. Opinions are like the Blackberry Bold. You find them everywhere, but nobody's impressed with them. Opinions are like iPhones. Everybody's got one, and nobody cares about yours. <laughs> From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Apple nerds unite. We will tell you why the geeks are agog about the Worldwide Developers Conference. Got 3700 bucks and a distaste for Google Glass? We'll offer you an alternative set of specs that put Minority Report to shame. Bon Jovi, Madonna, and Bruce Springsteen all made more than a billion bucks touring, but only one squeezed you for big bucks. Never work with children or animals, unless you're the rock band Secret Broadcast. They'll join us to explain why it's all about the kitties. <laughs> Plus, how much you'll have to pay to get a copy of the world's worst video game. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Are you as disappointed as I am? In WWDC? I didn't really get anything that the rumor mill hadn't already churned out, and it didn't give me anything that made me stand up and take notice, with one exception. Which is? We finally get to replace the crappy iPhone virtual keyboard with something that some nerd in his mother's basement has come up with that's a league better than every time I type in uh, go to heel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like swipe in Android, isn't it? Well, what you can do now is because of the way the behind-the-scenes software on your iPhone or any iOS device works now... The apps can talk to each other, and because the apps can now talk to each other, you can now actually have an app that talks to the operating system in a way that says, no, 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 don't use the built-in keyboard, I've got a better keyboard, and we're going to use mine instead. So Android users are laughing all the way to the bank on this because they've been able to do this for years. BlackBerry, quite frankly, has the best virtual keyboard I've seen ever. You can type without hitting a single space bar, and it will figure out what that message is supposed to mean. Yeah, I've never been really happy with that with that keyboard. A lot of people are. But, uh, you know, for all the other stuff that was... I mean, they completely revamped uh, OS X. Yes, it's 10.10 .10 now. Yeah, 10.10. .10. You know, Maps looks... They call it a Yosemite, by the way. Yeah, not triple X. No. Apple Maps looks better. Um, they've done some work on Mail, thank God. Yes. Um, Safari looks a little bit cleaner. Um, what else have they done? Um, there's more integration or more movement towards the, the look of iOS, yep. which is interesting. Uh, iOS 8 looks really kind of cool, especially for things like, um, you know, your favorite contacts and a few other things like, uh, you know, iMessage has got some tweaks. Uh, it's very similar <laughs> in some aspects to WhatsApp um, and a few other things. So, you know what? It, I mean, they, they, they added a lot of stuff. Most of it we kind of knew about, but um, I don't think we knew about uh, the iCloud drive. My favorite nifty feature is that if you're sitting in front of your Mac and your iPhone rings, it can route the call to your Mac now. I do like that. That's a really cool thing because it happens to me all the time. I've got my iPhone into my Mac 
and uh, I usually have to open iTunes and then uh, eject my phone and then use it, you know, to answer the phone. Uh, this way, if I'm working on the um, Mac, uh, it just appears in front of me. So I like that. Oh, the other thing that I do like is that um, Siri has Shazam song recognition now. Ah, yes. We knew there was a rumor that they were working together, and I guess now it's true. Siri will listen to whatever song that you want her to identify, communicate with Shazam, and then you'll get the answer back. And then if you want to purchase it from iTunes, you just tell Siri to purchase it from iTunes, which is pretty cool. For those who do have the fingerprint recognition on their iPhone 5S, previously you could only use it to unlock your iPhone. Now, because those third-party apps have access to the operating system like they didn't before, you can now use it as a replacement for your password. Soon as your iPhone or your iOS device knows your password to something, you just need to use your thumbprint and it'll insert the password for you. It, it does that with the iTunes store right now. If I want to purchase something on, on the iTunes store, I just have to use my thumbprint. But this is for everything else. So yeah, you're right. When it comes down to it though, it just seemed ho-hum. The, he the health book or the health kit section, they spent like all of two minutes talking about that. And that gave us no indication whatsoever as to whether or not we're going to get an iWatch or some other body monitoring device. That's not a WWDC thing. This is for developers. This is for programmers. This is for coders. This is the kind of stuff that we're working on, people. And this is what we want you to start thinking about when you put together your new apps and new programs. Any sort of hardware will be you know, more closer to the, the third and fourth quarter of the year. I mean, we will get an Apple TV update of some sort later on this year. I'm sure about that. We'll get um, probably some some Mac upgrades and uh, you know, we still might get the iWatch. And you don't introduce the health book thing until you have the iWatch. Hi, I'm a Mac. And I'm a PC. You know, PCs are still the number one gaming platform and hundreds of new games come up for them every year. Hey, they got games for Mac too. Photoshop isn't a game. You know, Linux runs all those servers you guys like to play on. Hey, I wasn't talking about Photoshop. You can play SimCity and Quake. Well, one of them anyway. And, uh, remember Bungie Studios, the guys that made Halo? They used to make games exclusively for the Mac. You know, they made uh, Marathon and... Yeah, and then they were bought by Microsoft. You know, you guys wouldn't be able to play games together without me. Dude, shut, shut the f***. I'll block your entire subnet, you stupid lamers. Mashable.com's got an interesting collection. Three high-tech eyeglasses that do things that Google Glass can't. All right, let's have a look at these things here. Number one, light therapy glasses. Do, do you suffer from the seasonal affective disorder? I suffer terribly. Apparently, you're one of 10 million people in the Northern Hemisphere who do. Oh, I think that number is way too low. Really? I read it on the Internet. It's got to be true. I, uh, you know, that, that period between Christmas and New Year's, it should, you know, when everybody is supposed to be having a really great time, it is one of the most miserable times of the year for me because I suffer from seasonal affective disorder. According to Wikipedia, 1.4% uh, of Floridians suffer from it, but 9.7% of New Hampshireans, Hampshireans, Hampshires suffer from it. So the further north you get, the more likely it is you're going to stumble across this, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which recently had the status changed. It is no longer classified as a unique mood disorder and is now um, titled with a seasonal pattern with recurring major depressive disorder that occurs at specific times of the year. 
it's tough for me because in the pers- first part of December, we go to the Caribbean for a week. Mm-hmm. And so I am just, I am the, the most sociable, most happy, most, <laughs> most, most extroverted sort of guy when I'm in the sunshine. The moment we come back, it's like fetal position. A student at Drexel University in Philadelphia has designed, designed a pair of sunglasses that beam simulated sunlight into your peripheral vision so that you're not blinded by it as you walk around. The 22-year-old student uh, has designed the glasses to make light therapy more routine. You just put them on, you walk around, and the edges of your face glow blue. I would buy these. I, w- I mean, you know, just for around the house. But I would buy. If they work, I'm sold. How much? Why not? Well, it's still at the university development level, right? Oh, okay. But you can buy light bulbs that accomplish the same task. How come you haven't outfitted your entire house with it them? It doesn't doesn't work as well. I've tried the light boxes. Doesn't work as well. You, what you need is is it's got to be hit your retina in such a way, if, with such an intensity for such a period of time, for it to work properly. No, and it's it doesn't work. I found another pair of glasses that you can buy now if you'd like. Okay. Well, you can pre-order them. It'll only cost you $3,650. What are they? They're called the Meta. And what it does is it's a pair of glasses that have the standard video camera front-facing pointing out at the world at which you see. But it's not necessarily used to record what it is that you're looking at or your children's first steps. It's from spaceglasses.com. And this is Minority Report stuff. It recognizes your fingertips and presents in front of you as it beams this hologram-like display into your eyes... It can, in fact, you can reach out and you can grab things and expand things and move them around. It's still in developmental stage right now, and the group has raised about two hundred grand through its Kickstarter campaign. And what would you use this for? You would use this in a Minority Report-like scenario where you wanted to manipulate data. Did you ever see... Um, was it Neuromancer? Well, Neuromancer was the thing, but Johnny Mnemonic was, was the uh, movie by which Neuromancer w- was based upon and, and et cetera. It was the other way and, around, but anyway. I, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, he, and he puts these goggles on, and he's just f- moving his hands around in a 3D cyberspace kind of world. Same sort of thing. Huh. You don't seem impressed. No, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I can just imagine putting these things on, and all of a sudden an image of Princess Leia appears in front of me. Help me, Obi-Wan. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to be her only hope. No, no, not me. And then there's the uh, Avagant Glyph. Let me read just the way they've described it on Mashable. The contraption doubles as headphones, and when you flip the band down in front of your eyes, there are a series of two million miniature mirrors, not a screen, that will project the visuals directly into your retinas. When you flip things down over your eyes, you look like a Cylon. Yes, or Geordi from Star Trek. Or Geordi from Star Trek, right, wearing Beats headphones. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, these are pretty big looking headphones. Yeah. And because it uses a standard HDMI connection, anything that uses HDMI, bada bing, you plug it in, away you go, and just don't move anywhere because you're going to bang your shin on the coffee table. Again, I don't get it, but okay. This is early days. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But look at the size of that thing. I, I know, it's massive. All right. Okay, Speaking of massive, five artists who made billions of dollars touring. Yeah, this is an interesting list that Billboard compiled.
goes back only to 1990, because that's, I guess, the year in which they had reliable figures. So they uh, came up with a, a big, long list of all the artists that have made the most money on the road. I'm going to give you the top five, because I find this absolutely fascinating. Uh, bon Jovi is at number five. Bon Jovi has grossed $1.03 billion from about uh, 12 and a third million people since 1990. That includes 578 shows. Okay, remember these numbers. <laughs> is there going to be a test after? Just wait. Uh, Madonna at number four. She has grossed $1.14 billion, playing in front of 9.7 million people for 382 shows. Okay. So Bon Jovi made less money playing more shows. Mm -hmm. He made $83 a person. Okay. How much did Madonna make? All right. Well, I'll grab the calculator. At $1.14 yeah. billion. Dollars. Okay. And then you've got the attendance of 9.6 million 9.7. You get $117.62 per person. Good. Let's keep going. Bruce Springsteen at number three. one uh, let's call it $1.2 billion. And 15 million people went to see the boss at $79.68 a pop. Okay, that's over 727 shows. Right. Okay, number two, U2. This is exciting radio, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> $1.5 billion, and they played twenty point five in front of 20.5 million people. Which is seventy three seventy seven a ticket. Okay, 526 shows. Number one... The Rolling Stones. Big fat surprise. Yeah, they're just uh, slightly ahead of you two. They're about uh, $50 million ahead of you two. Uh, so let's call it 1.57. At 79.57, basically of the top five, Madonna's the one who's bilking us the most. That's right. Isn't that interesting? What was the uh, Rolling Stones uh, per audience member figure? 79.57. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So Madonna is uh, the canniest of them all. She is charging the most. People are willing to pay the most. And she's uh, had to work the least and made the fourth most amount of money of any artist on the planet since 1990. I wouldn't be surprised if she'd have a problem with you claiming that she's worked the least because I could only imagine that Madonna puts a hell of a lot more into her show than Bon Jovi does. No, I, w I w okay, I'll go with that. But I'm saying she only played 382 shows. Everybody else played well over 500. <laughs> Cher made more money on the road than ACDC? Yeah, that just seems wrong, doesn't it? But ACDC hasn't been on the tour on, on the road a lot. Cher's been on the road uh, earlier uh, this year. And uh, I think it was the month of May, she was the highest grossing artist on the road. You know who's going on the road this year? Secret Broadcast. Have you heard of these guys? Yes, I've been following them for quite some time. As a matter of fact, they were part of a, an O. Henry campaign that uh, I was peripherally involved in that had to do with Virgin Fest a couple of years ago. You mean as in the chocolate bar? The, the chocolate bar. Oh. Well, <laughs> they got my attention when they recorded their most recent video at a cat birthday party at the Toronto Humane Society. Yeah, I saw this too. I've got this posted on my website. And um, the internet was made for cats, as we all know. So... Uh Let's bring him on. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Lightstone is the front man for Secret Broadcast, and he joins us now. Okay, I've got Keith Keith with me as well. Keith. Oh, okay. We'll try not to talk over each other. <laughs> <laughs> one of you is the front man, one of you is not. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk, and Keith can chime in if he has something really intelligent to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the program. Well, uh, it's great to be here. All right, so... Uh, 
there clearly when it comes to the internet there are only two reasons why anyone would be on the internet and one of them is not music the other is cats yeah i was gonna say porn but yes cats is definitely (laughs) it's definitely up there all right let's put it this way the uh suitable for work stuff would be cats yes uh the stuff that actually is bleeding edge technology would be porn right bleeding edge (laughs) (laughs) okay we didn't we see now we didn't have to go there (laughs) we went so we were going through the five artists who have made a billion dollars touring and of the top five bon jovi madonna bruce springsteen u2 and the rolling stones madonna's worked the least but she's managed to squeeze the most out of a concert goer I've I've heard that, and I actually I took my girlfriend to a Madonna concert, and, it, and she bled us dry for sure. But it was a good show. She knows how to put on an entertaining experience. Ah, Alan, to my point. No, no, I, I, I that's not my issue. She I, it, she doesn't need to rip us off so much, though. I do agree. Well, you know, you get the the pointed cone breasts and all that kind of stuff. You were doing it long before she was. Yes. <laughs> so why 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 a kitty cat music video? Well, our, we, our previous video we worked with kids, and you know what they say: never work with uh, kids or animals. And you know we like to live dangerously, so <laughs> we <laughs> so decided to go both. ahead with it. But on in all honesty, it was just you know we we like ridiculous concepts, and usually they they appear to us in visions when we're we've had, we're a little intoxicated. And this one came to us, and we're like, we can make it happen. So we actually tried to make it a reality, and it it all came together rather easily. You once entertained Richard Branson at a private party. Yes, uh, that, that had to do with uh, Virgin Fest, didn't it? Yeah, I did. We we won a, a contest. It was a national contest um, a few years back, and it was sponsored by Virgin Fest. The winner got to perform at Virgin Fest Toronto, and one of the nights we performed an after-hours party um, at, at the Drake Hotel in Toronto. And when we were doing an interview backstage, we came back, we were heading to, to the stage and someone pulled us aside and said, by the way, uh, Richard Branson is right next to the stage in a private booth. And like, it was pretty shocking. I, I, I didn't know that he was going to be there, but it, it ended up being really, really cool. He introduced us, we went and performed and, um, and he ended up dancing on the stage while we were performing for the last couple of numbers. So it was definitely, definitely a cool experience for Does sure. Does he have that white man overbite when he dances? No, he's too cool. He that guy is a cool guy. Um, if he, you know, he would have a career. If he wasn't a billionaire, I would say he could be uh, a professional dancer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've met him a couple of times. I really liked him. He was very, very cool. I mean, it was the first time I've, uh, I ever met a billionaire. And um, he was really, really nice, um, down to earth, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, there was nothing, nothing bad about about the experience. It was really cool. One of the the times that I met him, um, he was asked how much money did he have in his pockets, and the, and the answer was nothing, because he has people to carry his money. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> We were looking at uh, concert riders uh, on the episode recently. And when you played Virgin Fest, did you two require red toilet paper in your dressing room? Uh, not yet. We're, we're saving the red toilet paper for the next tour, I think, once we're, we're able to make such crazy demands. 
Well, it's Keith who's really the one who's the high maintenance. Am I right, Keith? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. So you you have a brand new album called Filthy Souls. When's it coming out? It actually came out about a month ago, um, April eighth. Oops. Okay, my fault. <laughs> and uh, it was you know we're we're everyone says this but we're really really excited about this record and we're really really proud about with the way it came out and that has um in part it's it's uh because of um someone that we worked with the name adam casper who produced the record and uh we ended up traveling to seattle to record with them and he's recorded a number of our favorite records he's worked with queens of the stone age nirvana foo fighters uh who else you is responsible for the album that got me into music, which is There's Nothing Left to Lose by the Foo Fighters. So to be able to work with him was just completely insane for that all to come full circle. What, what, did, he do, what did he do for you? What, you know, when you got in the studio, you had your songs there. What did he bring out of you guys that, One of the, you, did, that you didn't know was there? One of the coolest things about Adam was that he's so low-key. He's one of the most chill guys you'll ever meet, one of the nicest guys. So it was it was really all about getting the most out of us, trying to make us feel comfortable. If we were uh, looking hungry, he'd make sure we were fed. If one of us was getting tired with a drum take, he'd move over to vocals. Um, and he had some really great constructive feedback on songs to try to get the best out of them. If there's, if you, if there's a pre-chorus that he thinks is is not as good as the chorus we would examine ways to try to make it as strong as the chorus um and he just has so much experience work working with some you know with with great bands that his his uh, feedback is definitely worthy and has he has you know the the experience to back it up he also had this amazing way of putting ideas in her head and massaging them in a way that by the end of the day we thought they were our ideas <laughs> Which is pretty was we only really figured it out once we got back, but um, he he definitely he spent a little bit of time with each of us and got to know us not only as musicians but as people and he kind of he you know he kind of got inside of our heads and, and was able to bring out the best uh, in us in that way. You and also he, recorded a, a cover of Nirvana's "Breed" for him that was absolutely had a fascinating twist. A lot of bands do covers, but this particular cover was very different. Oh, thank you. Thank you. How? <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't you record it basically in the same spot that Nirvana recorded the song in the first place? Uh, not, not, not the, it was where Nirvana recorded You Know You're Right, the last track they ever released. But the story is interesting. I mean, we're, we, one of the things that we're, we alluded to as far as Adam and making us feel so comfortable, one of the great things about him is that he is so quick at recording. Like, so he'll get, get fantastic sounds. And the engineer we work with is, is a, a, um, a child genius, child genius named Nathan Yuchino, who's also Soundgarden's bass tech. And they set up sounds so quick that we were, we recorded most of the record live off the floor. Um, so, in a matter of 12, 11 days, we, we recorded 13 songs. And on one of the final nights, we were having some, some drinks, and Adam asked us, are there any other songs that you might want to consider recording? Because he felt that the material we already recorded was was really strong, and you know maybe we, we could record a B-side. So we brought up that we, we had played uh, a cover of Nirvana, 
And he got really excited about that. So we ended up just doing it really quickly in a couple of takes. And uh, what was cool about that, as Keith was saying, is this was the room that Nirvana recorded their last song, You Know You're Right. And we're recording in this with with Adam, who produced that session. So it was pretty surreal. And when we finished up, um, he was telling us that I was standing in the same spot that Kurt was standing. And obviously, uh, Keith was set up in the, in the same area that Dave Grohl was playing drums. And when we were listening back, um, one of the cool things was, I think it was the first time that he was listening back to Nirvana, because he was ABing it with the Nevermind session, probably the first time since he was in the room with Nirvana. Wow. Okay. A bit eerie and cool at the same time? We tried to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that actually was achieved, but... We only played the song twice, though. It happened really, really fast. So it, it's, it's become this thing now that it's online and stuff. But it was really... It was done in probably less than two hours. Yeah, wow. mixed and everything. It was all, it was all really quick. It's fascinating stuff. Matt Lightstone, Keith Hepler from Secret Broadcast. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. We're, we're big fans. Good luck with the, with the new album. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. And, hey, wait, wait, wait. Uh, 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 no, no, wait. What what what'd you do with all the cats? Um, we They're in our basement right now. No. <laughs> um, they were actually alumni rescue cats. So when we when we teamed up with with Toronto Cat Rescue, we we had this vision of doing a ridiculous cat concept, and we realized that if we were we teamed up with Toronto Cat Rescue, it would be a great way to bring cats get get uh, I guess have availability to cats, but also it would be great exposure or or allow us to give exposure to a great cause. So all of those cats were adopted since we did the video. And uh, we hope that if people pass this video around, obviously we hope to help, you know, get secret broadcast out there, but we also help to uh, hope to help the, a great cause in finding homes for these cats. Perfect. Nice job. All Thank the best to you, Meow. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Take care. Both of us in the schoolyard, you made it so hard to look at anything but Jump rope in the playground, no one can touch you. There ain't nothing you can't do. I remember the moment when I told myself I'd give up recess for you. Lunchbox and matches, exchanging glances.
Nice boys, nice boys. Yes. Time now for Geeks and Beats update. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News update. So we've got a new co-producer. Oh, we do. I did see the uh, the donation, the uh, notification of donation come in. Yeah, it's it occurred to me very early on in this process that if I wasn't um, forwarding you all of the donation indication emails from PayPal, that uh, you know there might be a, a forensic investigation, and I'm being hauled away. I got a perp walk, so I'm keeping you all in the loop on all of this. Thank you. I appreciate that. Every $25 that comes in, I'm, I'm, I'm advised about it. So, James, thank you so much. Uh, not only are you going to get the right to put this on your resume uh, as a co-producer of this particular episode, but we will send you absolutely free of charge the high-resolution art that's suitable for printing off and framing and hanging in your parents' basement. Excellent. Yes. I, I, we were reporting on this uh, a couple of episodes back, Geeks and Beats Update, on E.T., the video game cartridge that Atari made and then plowed into a landfill site in New Mexico. Now that they've dug them all up, guess what they're going to do with them? Um, Sell them. them. Well, I was going to say, put them on eBay. 1,377 of the cartridges for the Atari 2600 were rescued from the New Mexico landfill where 30 years ago they were dumped and then plowed over. Of them, about 700 of them will actually be appraised, certified, as in, I guess, they at one point were in a dump, and then passed on uh, to you and me. Some of them will actually end up in the New Mexico Museum of Space History. What? Just because it's an ET game, a I bad have no ET idea game, why a bad eight-bit ET game that was made in six weeks, the worst video game of the universe. Yes, that's, that's ever been conceived by anyone. Yes, apparently some of them will go to the film producers and museums like the Smithsonian, but uh, you have an opportunity in the not too distant future if you want to pick up. One of the plowed over Atari 2600 ET cartridges, you'll get a little certificate of authenticity as well. How much? How much do you think? Well, I suppose this is the invisible hand of the markets will determine. Oh, yes, I'm sure, I'm sure. We don't know just yet how many, uh, but uh, I just want to make sure that if I was to spend a, a good chunk of change on something like this, that I could stick it in an Atari 2600 and it would still work. Well, we'll see. Can you find an Atari 2600 cartridge? Or, um, not, uh, console? So long as all I have to do is blow into the Atari cartridge to make it work again, I'd be happy. Yeah, that's true. 
Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.